Beyond the Wrench with Jay Ganinen from Wrenchway. One of my favorite people in the industry, Carolyn Cocolette from Shopware. Welcome back. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about this backdrop uh, behind you. Well, I'm in San Francisco. This is this is the beautiful city of San Francisco. And uh, we've got downtown. You can always know it by Salesforce Tower right here. Yeah. So enjoying a little a little morningscape with my buddy on uh, Midwest time. So nice. nice to be able to to share a little bit of the beauty of the West Coast when it happens. Well, I'm excited. We're uh, just venturing into spring here in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll have inevitably plants are, plants are blooming, and you're just like, oh god. Yeah, Thank yeah. You. There's there's something that's green there. <laughs> I haven't seen it's that in months. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I, I was born, raised Cleveland, lived in Michigan, so I've totally been there. Yeah, yeah. That, that dandelion, or not dandelion, a daffodil. Yeah, that daffodil bloom. I mean, it is game changer. It's, it's, it's a tearjerker for sure. <laughs> We're, we inevitably will get like a last, like just to test your will, it'll get nice for like two <laughs> yep. weeks and then just a downpour of snow. One at more. Some point. Yeah. One yeah, more. Just yeah. one more April 3rd. Yeah. 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 I think mm-hmm. that's uh, a kill all, kill all of the, <laughs> the, the annuals that you planted lovingly. That's what yeah. makes the Midwest people tough is that you yep. just uh, you get tested constantly. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. No. Exciting conversation today. One where you're heavily involved now with the ASCCA, if I can say that. It's a yep. tough acronym to say. But it is I, a long one. It's a longer one. Mm-hmm. So uh, what is the ASCCA? So Automotive Service Councils of California, that's the last CA, is California's acronym, is a five-letter acronym. And that's because California is, you know, awesome. We, we get the biggest acronym in the business. We, we, we take <laughs> up a lot of space. The good news is that ASCCA, despite having many letters, has a tremendous relationship with Sacramento. And we advocate on behalf of service professionals in Sacramento to make sure that our interests are heard. And that has been going on since 1940. Wow. It's literally a 82 this year, old year old organization. And I'm, I'm proud to be able to participate as its president this year. It's an amazing organization, some really dedicated volunteers. And, you know, it's all about how do we continue to succeed in business, you know, in the, in the great state of California. But, you know, honestly, what happens in California ultimately happens to the whole country. And so we're, we're happy to be tip of the spear. Yeah, it, it definitely does. Now, how has it been in getting involved maybe on the political side, right? <laughs> like, I think getting into Sacramento, I, I think that has a whole different set of challenges now. Right. So we have. So there's a couple of things. So first is the Bureau of Automotive, excuse me, the Bureau of Automotive Repair, BAR, is notorious, which is the regulatory body, part of the Consumer Affairs Division in you know California, and that's sort of the, the regulatory structure. So Consumer Affairs is one of the departments, and the Bureau of Automotive Repair is part of it. And part of the Bureau of Automotive Repair's responsibilities is to administer the, the smog program, so all the emissions testing, which again began in 
California before even there was emissions testing nationwide. And it's a moneymaker for California, which there's not a lot of regulatory activities that are moneymakers. So we we joke that it's never going away. They're never going to they're never going to clip this off. So we will be we will be testing tailpipes as long as there are tailpipes. I mean, they'll figure out a way to test Tesla somehow because it makes money for the great state. Anyway, Bureau of Automotive Repair has. Uh, I mean, they've had the same. Pat DeRay has been the the bureau chief there for as long as I've known it. So that's got to be seven or eight years. I mean, they've, they've been involved. Excuse me. He's been involved for a really long time. They probably have a new bureau chief. I mean, I'm kind of talking in front of myself here, but maybe every 15, 10 years, it's a regulatory thing, right? So you, you, you're the bureau chief and then you move on to something else and you move on to something else. And then eventually you're, you're, you're Gavin Newsom and you're, you're aiming to be the, the president of the United States. So Pat DeRay is currently a, you know, a younger man, currently manning Bureau of Automotive Repair. We'll see how long he lasts, but we have presence on that, you know, regulatory body. They have a panel they have workshops. We participate in that both as a named member of ASCCA. And then we also have a paid lobbyist, Jack Molodonov, who represents us on the bureau activities. And then there are also activities that happen on the state legislation level, which are different bills that are brought at the, you know, the state Senate slash, you know, you know, voting entity that are considering laws that will ultimately impact repair professionals. And this guy is incredible. Like we're, we're, we're paying him, but obviously, I mean, excuse me, we're paying him, but he is above and beyond whatever he's being paid. I mean, this guy is just a total shark around what it is that may be of interest to the association and, and where we might need to get in involved. Like where do we need to rally our membership and have them reach out to state senators or show up for legislative day and, and represent small business owners to folks in SAC. There's images of, you know, the farmers or, or different types of advocacy groups that show up in Sacramento and they have their tractors and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're really trying to provide visibility for people's interests. That's what ASCCA is ultimately doing. So it's not just, our lobbyist and the fact that we're maintaining a relationship with folks that happen to be there all year round, but we're able to rally people to show up at just the right time to make sure that our interests are heard. And that's our motto. So, you know, ASCCA's core purpose is to unite automotive service professionals and give them voice. And the voice component is, is particular in Sacramento. In a state like California, that is absolutely essential. And honestly, when you talk about all of the different things that are happening inside of automotive repair these days, having someone in your corner around uh, big things like Sacramento, like California, like like potentially setting a precedent nationwide and making sure that we're not you know off the table, it's pretty important. Yeah, I, and how hard is it to get a collective voice between? the shops. Right. And when I say that impossible, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you know, in independent shop owners, yeah, it, it's, it's terrible. Right? Well, We're cats. and not only that, like in California, right. You've got probably a different type of shop owner in Los Angeles than you do Lake Tahoe. Right. Like, it, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like just kind yeah, of different backgrounds, maybe different opinions. Yeah. So how it works is we have different chapters. Currently there are 16 different chapters. Some of those, you know, we could have more chapters. We've had more chapters in the past this gets a little bit sort of like, you know, down deep into the details around how the association business is run. But 
there are different localized activities that allow people to band together, meet people who are in their same region and talk about what's going on for them, particularly whether it's uh, a local regulator, you know, business climate, whatever, like in San Francisco, obviously, they basically don't want you to do business. So, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you fight to make it and not just give it all to the, to the state is, is very prescient. So, you know, there's different issues that are affecting different shop owners and you can do that on the, on the chapter level. However, when you get to the state level, it's, it's more obtuse. Like it, it's not that hard to be able to, to come together and say, look, you know, don't pass this law that requires for example, more recently, there was a, a law that we've actually passed or we've supported in his past, but that it has to do with inspections and and some, what do I want to say, not uh, comeuppance, um, ca- accountability for shops that are not following the rules. And how do those shops ultimately get held to account? And where does their information get published? what's the vetting process for making sure that they can absolve themselves or, or whatever. And we wanted to make sure that it wasn't overly punitive and, you know, was fair. On the other hand, we thought, you know, ultimately if, if there are people who are not following the rules and are near to wells, they should be potentially punished. They should be aired out in, in a, in a you know public venue to be able to say that this, this group didn't really, you know, do what was in the, the consumer's best interest. So we, we were working with them very closely to make sure that, you know, while we don't expect any of our members to potentially be part of that list, if someone does, they, they still have a path to be able to maintain their businesses and, and not be sort of, you know, given the, the mark of ham. So the, that, that kind of thing is, it, it's not as detailed as you might imagine on like sure. kind of a regulatory level. It's just really, how do you treat auto repair professionals? Now, Sacramento is not strategic, right? They're completely reactionary. They there'll be something in the news, which happened, you know, in this particular case, I think it was like three years ago, some thing came out and it was on the evening news and some shop owner, you know, some particular shop didn't behave very well. And so finally they're rolling out this regulation that's going to keep that shop from ever doing that again. And so we're, we're managing expectations and making sure that the regulators feel like they can say they did their job and responded to whatever was the case du jour. But it's not going to disrupt us and, and make sure that we continue taking care of customers in the long term. So, you know, some of these rules and regulations are kind of frustrating in the sense that you, do, you, know, it, you really need this. This is the best use of your time. But, you know, we're not trying to solve the problems in Sacramento globally. We're just making sure that <laughs> shop owners are able to do their business. And and so uh, it's it's actually pretty tremendous. I am so amazed constantly at what level of talent and insight and and just, you know, frankly, professionalism we bring at Sacramento. And this is the kind of stuff where we talk about why should you participate in an association? People don't get it. I mean, they, they think it's literally about like, you know, a uniform discount or, <laughs> you know, whether I get a newsletter on a monthly, it's not about that at all. And right. so what we, what we have done most recently is rolled out an introductory membership, which I'm excited to talk to you about that allows people to join free of charge, no questions asked, fill out the form, your your name's on the list. And I am so passionate about that. I mean, I'm literally like, if you care about your business, you should put your name on the list. Yeah. I don't I don't need to talk to you about whether you need a uniform discount. You need to have your you need your your business, your body needs to be counted in Sacramento when we're making these types of cases. And ultimately you you should feel very confident that your your interests are represented and that it's it will be professionally managed. And you know, 
all we need is is more representation, more visibility. I think that was a misconception I had when I was younger, right? Like it, it was joining an association was mostly, you know, signing up so you could get the sticker on your door or, you know, something like that. We have a, yeah. There's so many letters you can't fit it on your door. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it actually has to become the sign. But, take over. <laughs> but it, there is so much benefit in in that side of it. And it's such a, you know, when, when you get in the, the political side of it, I think it just, it opens the door to make it feel like your your voice is heard, right? And I think that is so important for a shop uh, to be able to to do that instead of okay. just sitting on their hands and saying, oh, the, this, this damn industry is keeping me down. You know, okay, if that's the case, then step up, like go, go right. participate. There's events, there's things that you can be a part of to be more active and not just bitch about things, but actually well, do is, things. This gets back to what Ranchway is doing. I mean, how, how are you feeling about shop owner engagement these days in terms of like just engaged in their day-to-day business or engaged with vendor relationships i you know everywhere i go i hear about wrenchway i mean everyone's sort of realizing that this is a good idea but i'm curious like in terms of people seeing the big picture it's hard, right? I think mm-hmm. so and it's, about that. I, I get it, right? Because when you're trying to put fires out and it's totally the mentality of trying to get people to work on their business rather than in their business. And it's not natural for a lot of people because maybe they were a technician in the shop that was so focused on, okay, I gotta get this car out. I gotta, you know, I gotta fix this one thing that they're missing kind of the broad scope of the entire business and making their lives easier as a result. And so I think that's where where coaches have become really important and influential is to get them to think and take the blinders off to say, okay, if I change this and I build process and I, you know, I have something in place as a business, my life is ultimately going to be easier. The business is going to run better. But for a lot of shops, they haven't seen that side of it yet, right? They haven't seen the ability to do some of that stuff that makes their life easier and and ultimately better because they're not so desperate to put fires out and like in our case it's the technician side right and they get mm-hmm. desperate and they run out and they're like i need a tech and it, i don't have a tech so i'm going to go work on the car myself and then when they're working on the car themselves they're not actually doing ceo type responsibilities right and they put themselves further and further behind all the time as a result so i th- i think there's a lot of shops that are getting drastically better at that. There's still mm-hmm. a lot of shops that we struggle with in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we, we certainly have to cut through that noise from the association level. I, I will say that, you know, what ASCCA has been dealing with for the last, let's say 10, uh, 20 years. And it's been a pretty bumpy ride is not, and I haven't been there. I mean, I, I can't, I, I, I've been involved in, the association since like 2014. So yeah, what is that? Eight years or something. So I I've done a lot of, you know, anthropology to kind of go back and talk to other people who have been there through those different periods and understand how did we arrive here? How is the association structured? You know, what are kind of the core tenants? What, what are the movements that are kind of under the water that are ultimately creating the situation that we have today? And, and some of those things are phenomenal. I mean, like ASCCA, for example, Automotive Service Councils of California, what's a council, is this <laughs> chapter concept, is this idea that 
people originally got together on a local basis and talked about what was affecting their businesses. And then they ultimately banded together and elected a board of directors at the state level. And then that group was responsible for representing folks in Sacramento and, and at this point managing some staff. So, you know, that's phenomenal. This is the, this is the mechanism, the agency that allowed us to have that kind of, you know, representation at Sacramento and in such a robust way, but it's, it's still, you know, some of its parts. It's still individual shops making up chapters that ultimately vote for a board of directors. It, it's not a top-down organization at all. So for better or for worse, you're still dealing with all of those individual egos and other competing interests. And do people people show up and and you know pay their dues and and participate on committees and and blah blah blah. So you you have to you know you have to still herd the cats. The the opportunity with the introductory membership, which we're calling like a freemium membership or whatever, is this idea that there's no excuse for you to not participate in an association. Yeah. I love the the phrase stronger together. I mean, there's there is so much about being independent that makes us who we are. Like we have to be independent shop owners. I mean, I love to say, you know. We're all arrogant. That's because only arrogants think they can, you know, fix cars and make money doing it. So, you know, that's that's the name of the game. You're going to have to be cut from that, you know, extremely bold plaid before you (laughs) even elect yourself for this kind of job. But then what are you dealing with on the other side? Right. And so how do you bring people together and how do you try to, you know, assimilate that consensus to make change? I I've actually really enjoyed being of leaders, you know, participating on the leadership level for ASCCA because it it helps me see what shop owners are dealing with and how also to deal with shop owners on a, in a different way than I do from like a shopware. Yeah. From a shopware perspective and and also just as a shop owner perspective, right. They're not my competition. And so it's, it's been fascinating talking to people from a totally different seat and removing the barriers, I think, is so important right now because this industry, we're very proud of ourselves. We think we're fine. Realistically, we are completely underserved. And this, yeah. is, this is something, this is a, you know, a drum that I beat constantly when we talk about shop management software and setting expectations. But, you know, realistically, we're, we're taken for granted on so many levels. And, and certainly the consuming, you know, the, the consumers, the, the driving public, likes it that way. You know, if they, if they have this sort of, you know, barefoot and pregnant point of view around shop owners, then they don't have to pay anything. You know, it's, it's easy to say, oh, they're all crooks and they're, you know, Neanderthals and they're drank, they're, they're dragging their knuckles around. Well, then I can, I can pay $75 an hour. <laughs> well, yeah. no, no, actually uh, we're actually very sophisticated in this, this building that you just, in my, in my case, this building that you just pulled your, your car into, I'm literally competing against Airbnb around the corner. I mean, I'm paying, I, I've, I've been a little bit more outspoken about this recently, but I pay $21,000 a month for my five bay shop. <laughs> and, and, and that's not even the most expensive part of my business, right? The most expensive part of my business is the people because yeah. people have to themselves rent apartments and live here so they could drive a non, you know, four hour distance to come to my shop and then physically touch cars. I mean, like, how do you afford being in business? And it's like, 
So my labor rate's currently $180 an hour. And you're we probably the cheap pro- there, right? I mean, you're- yeah, Well, uh, I mean, we're, we're, and we're Prius. Yeah. I, I, I completely lambast the guys in my 20 group who are all doing Euro because I'm like, shame on, shame, <laughs> shame. <laughs> How am I charging $180 on Prius, on Prius, the cheapest customers in the world. That's why they bought the Prius in the first place. Shame on you. Why are you charging $119? Get that labor rate up to $150. I don't care if you're in Cleveland. Put that at $150. Yeah, anyway, we, talk, we talk about this endlessly. It's very, it's very expensive to to run a business in San Francisco, and and then ultimately, you know, how how do we figure out how we stay in business? How do we, you know, continue to feed our souls to be able to show up every day and do the hard work? I mean, ultimately, the reason why everyone's in business here is because they really we we really deeply care. I mean, right. we're, we're we're care bears. We're 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 we love the cars. We love the people. We love doing something meaningful every day. I don't think that honestly is out of touch with that. I don't. I don't think that that regulators are adversarial in that regard. They just don't know who we are. Yeah. Anyway, so how do we how do we pull people together and 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 talk about it? Ultimately, we need to lower the barriers for people. They're very busy. <laughs> We're competing for everyone's attention social media, uh, the internet, it's all about the eyeballs and that, that limitation of social capital and people's engagement on types of activities that are kind of more old fashioned, like automotive service councils, you know, I show up in my, I can show up in my, my model A to the meeting is, 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 is the challenge. And so lowering that barrier and making it kind of like, in my opinion, again, like a little bit of shaming, which is if you are a shop owner, you should have this, you should have this, and you should have this, you know, you should have a contemporary scan tool. You should have a service uh, subscription. And by the way, you should participate in an industry association. How does that industry association make itself as approachable as possible? That's the industry association's problem. So for us, it's lowering the barrier to entry in terms of, of cost, and then ultimately making those communications that we have with memberships a lot more substantive. So very clear and, and very high value. So, you know, that's what we're working on. I, I do think that we're in really great shape. And every single one of the associations, you look at Milwaukee, we were just at Vision. We were talking about that before you started the recording. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's, what's going on on the Auto Care Alliance level is really phenomenal. We're really excited to be able to work with Sherry and, and figure out how we can bring kind of California to bear with some of the other different states that are, are now forming a, a really, I think, considerable block to be able to represent ourselves on the national level. I mean, this is, this is just one of the things that unfortunately we forget about when we're trying to fix a car in our bay, but you know, we, you have to do it. it's right alongside with making sure your payroll is you know on time and your checks are cashed and, and all that stuff. Like you need to participate on an association. You need to make sure your interests are, are considered on a state and ultimately national level. And it's been really fun for me. I mean, honestly, it's, it's a, it's a break from sort of the shop and the, the software side of house, like, having different kinds of of organizational requirements and, and how do you manage those types of things? But also I'm just deeply inspired, frankly. I mean, just really incredible people. How, how much of it is, you know, you're, you're representing the best interest of the independent shop owners in, in California. How much of it is educating those, those shops? So like one thing Mm -hmm. that really stuck out to me with what you talked about, and I've heard this echoed throughout the country is, 
making sure that shops are getting their labor rates in order because like if <laughs> if we just you know for so long it was a race to the bottom who could who could be the right? cheapest who could be the cheapest and it damaged yep. our industry right because yep. that doesn't allow you to offer good benefits or good pay you, you won't have employees no and right With customers now, but no employees <laughs> well and that's that's what we're feeling right now right like if if you can pay top of market for tax i'm guessing you won't have nearly the issue to get tax but it's really hard for shops to maybe grasp that. But to me, the the foundational element to that is if, you're, if your labor rates aren't in check, you're never going to be able to pay anybody. No. And so how do we mm-hmm. get the, the shops to understand that? And that's not even at just the independent side. That's the dealer side. That's everywhere. Like to, to, to really get labor rates to where they need to be so we can support this, you know, bringing somebody on and offering them really good benefits and pay. Well, what you know, what do you, what do you suggest, sir? How do you pay your uh, your rentway bill? What do you well, suggest for a labor rate? My suggestion was just going to be: I think Carolyn at ASCCA can just take care of all of this, and then it'll <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. I, I it, it's such a fascinating question to me, and there's a local shop owner here in Wisconsin that I talk to all the time. Just a great, great guy. Shout out Steve Helwig. In Steve, yes, in one of his major passions is that he doesn't want people doing side work because he feels like it cheapens the industry. Because if if they have a tech that's going out and charging half of your labor rate, but they're they're paying in cash, great for the tech. But ultimately, the tech is hurting themselves because they're they're not allowing the shop to be able to take that business on, and ultimately you know, raise their labor rate because if they're just getting undercut constantly, it's really hard to to compete with that. So if, you know, his thought, and I think it's so fascinating is that if you were to switch this around and you're like, okay, everybody's paying this rate and we can increase the rate as a result because we're not getting undercut, then we're able to take care of our technicians better because we can pay them more and offer Mm -hmm. them more benefits. So I thought it was a fascinating way to, to think about it, you know, from a side work perspective, there's a lot of techs that do have very lucrative side businesses. And, you know, I think in a lot of cases, shop owners and managers kind of tend to look the other way and maybe not want to address the elephant in the room. But I do think that damages things. I do think there's still, you know, the 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 fact that you have these part stores that make diagnostics seem really easy when they're not by hooking up a simple scan tool and saying, all right, we'll fix everything, all your problems with this little box. You know, I, I do think there's, you know, if we're in a boat, we've got a lot of holes in that boat that, that yeah, really try to, putting it. Yeah. that don't allow us to, to charge properly. Yeah. It's so interesting. You know, we had a guy, he actually, he came to us from Chicago. So kind of your neck of the woods and he wanted, he was very upfront. He said, you know, I want to figure out how to work on hybrids. I'm going to move to California, but I'm not staying. I'm going to go back to, I'm going to move back to the Midwest. And he ended up working for us for a little under a year. Sergio was his name. Really great guy. And Sergio could not make it to the shop at 8 a.m. Like he, he just, he always showed up at 8:10. And the person who was responsible for scheduling Sergio would just get really frustrated with me and just be like, you know, what are we going to do with Sergio? And I'm like, like literally it's manna from heaven. Like we're, we're definitely not going to get rid of Sergio. Why don't you just start scheduling him at age 15? Like stop you know, overthinking it. Yeah. <laughs> you're blowing against the wind, like just adjust accordingly. <laughs> and so you have to pick your battles with technicians, right? I mean, like they're, 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 
unicorns. I mean, they're such special people. And so if they want to do side jobs and, you know, God bless them, they, I, I, one of the things you could ask is if they're doing side jobs, they're, they're not making enough money at your shop. Period. That's what I keep saying. Like, so that's my one thing. And I mean, that's just Frank. I mean, no one wants to fix more cars on the weekends. They're just doing it because they're trying to feed their kids or, you know, pay off their snap on pill or whatever the case may be. So this is, you know, if you're having to fight against whatever they're doing in the weekends, that's on you. But at some point, technicians always going to be technicians. And if somebody is just that on the flip side, as much as (laughs) they they may be underpaid as we could say is like a broad swath, like, Oh yeah, all technicians are underpaid. So the reason that they're, you could also just as easily say, you know, this person's a bulldog and they just insist on, this is what they do on a Saturday. They are going to do this for the rest of their lives. And you can't, you can't by any means change them. I mean, literally <laughs> if you, if you, if you put them on their boat and didn't let them fix cars on a Saturday, they'd, they'd kill over and die. Like we don't want that to happen either. No. So, Whatever you got to do, I mean, to me, it this is just having a frank conversation with your employees and making sure that, I mean, I've already, I've always said to people, you know, I, I don't own your weekends, I don't own your evenings, but when you show up, I need your A-game. And so I don't want you to be tired. I don't want you to have to do something else. I want you to be able to rest. You should feel like you should rest. Yeah. And and then how do you, how do you pay someone who so they can honestly feel that way? Shop owners are in for a major comeuppance or major reckoning. I mean, the, the. I was chatting with a with a good friend of mine. I won't say who it is, but she was saying how she's been out there for a million years saying how, oh, this is a great industry and da 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 and you should definitely consider this for a career. And she's like, I'm done with it. And I'm sick of like lying through my teeth. Shop owners don't have the balls. They're not standing up. They're not actually looking out for their people. This is actually a shitty industry. There's no upward mobility. People are totally underpaid. We're basically subsidizing auto repair. We're subsidizing car ownership for the entire country yeah. on the backs of our employees. And it's, it's in, and the idea that we could get there with a carrot instead of a stick, like, Oh, we're just going to keep talking about how there's a shortage and blah, blah, blah. it's like, no, I mean, you know, her comment is shops need to really fall on their face hard. They need to be hurt really badly. Like we need to, we need to hit bottom before we actually consider change. And I, I mean, I certainly feel that way around how we run our businesses. I mean, shops will, I mean, in, in some ways, shops will put customers before their employees. So how they treat their customers is, is sort of on the shopware side of house, which is how do you appropriately inform your customers and put them in the driver's seat and, and make sure that they're, you know, being offered their decisions in an, un, an unpressurized environment, which by the way, they love, and then ultimately come back to you over and over again. But anyway, honestly, employees are further down the list. And I think the question is, are we going to get there and make those changes on our own or are we going to be forced gonna have to, to go, go to, yeah, go out of business a little bit where we're going to really, really hurt before we realize that we need to raise that gosh darn labor rate to $225 an hour on Prius on Prius people, <laughs> the cheapest people in the world are paying. I mean, we're going to be over 200 when we get over 200, I don't know. Maybe I'll get a tattoo. I have not a single tattoo on my body. Maybe I'll get my new labor rate and I'll show, I'll share it with you, Jay. We'll have another podcast. Well, an exclusive. Yes, a, yes, yes. It's a tattoo yes. podcast. That's right. <laughs> but I, I think where, where I was going with that too is it, there, I feel like there's some power in an association when, when in a group setting, you can talk about it and 
talk candidly about it. And I think that resonates with people across, you know, across the country, whether you're in San Francisco or in Sacramento and you're owning a shop in either of those places, your labor rate's going to be drastically different, but, but it's more in in our world, in our world, like when you talk to folks in California, they're on the other side of that, that pain. I mean, can you imagine how hard it is to find technicians here? It's I can. It, it's brutal. Yes, yes. But well, I, Wrenchway, which is why you should sign up for Wrenchway <laughs> and let Jay get in and help you with that problem. Well, I think when I look at it, it's almost we need a united voice. Mm-hmm. And and that's where what a, an association brings, right, is mm-hmm. a united voice. And you bringing it back. Nice. Good yeah. Hey, what? Yeah. I, yeah. But it, it is truly like when you have the united voice and you can get people to buy into, hey, guys, this isn't a race to the bottom. This is truly showing that we are professionals, that we, you know, are highly educated and mm-hmm. and well versed in this technology, and being able to paint the visuals to the, the you know, at, at maybe even at the independent shop side where mm-hmm. you're painting that visual to a customer, so that you can start to get them in the mindset that hey, this this isn't going to get cheaper anytime soon, and. I don't know. I just feel like we've got, we've almost got to get out ahead of this. We're already so far behind on it that it's incredible, but like getting out and being able to educate customers and teaching shops how to educate customers on, on why a labor rate is starting to increase or why it's getting more expensive to get your car worked on is so important because you don't want to just be that shop that's going to go, all right, we're, 120 bucks an hour this month and then next month we're going to be 220 dollars an hour and then the customers just freak out yeah go 220 just go all the way just go all the way in yes yes but you know what i'm saying there right like where i i think there's going to have to be some level of consumer education on top of shop Mm -hmm. education and the shop's education could be you know this is why you need to raise your labor rate and this is why you need to educate the consumers that kind of thing yeah everyone's worried about I mean, again, we're care bears. We're, we're, we're there to help people. And we, I mean, yeah, you could make a ton of money fixing cars, but there's way better ways to make money than fixing cars. 100%. So, <laughs> 100%. You know, how do you, how do you manage these logistical miracles on a daily basis? You need your and, own podcast. I think that would be a really good let's one. Start it. Yeah, there we go. It? Yeah. I, let's roll with it. We are looking for technicians, service advisors slash managers, fixed ops directors, shop owners, and other professionals who want to help improve the industry by becoming a Wrenchway Insider. As a Wrenchway Insider, you can play fun, quick games and win cash prizes by providing anonymous feedback on various industry topics. To become a Wrenchway Insider, download the free Wrenchway app in the App Store or on Google Play. We've included download links in the show notes. The education of customers, people people internalize it way too much. I mean, obviously going from 210 to, I'm sorry, 220 to 120 to 220 is a big jump. And, and you know, it, it is emotional, right? Like, gosh, you know, my maintenance service used to be five something and now it's seven something and seven something feels a lot higher than five something. And, you know, I don't want to be known as being a ripoff or I want to make sure I'm providing value to my customers. I mean, all that's entirely true. And Aaron Stokes actually does a really good job talking about this is that ultimately when your back's against the wall and like you're, you know, you're, you're in like a, a protection motor on your family, you'll do whatever it takes. And so you just need to be able to muster that mentality sooner. So you're not in desperation when you ultimately start protecting your best interest. 
right? You need to be able to say like, look, <laughs> inflation's at 5%. We were, we were talking about this at my shop, which is we have a lot of inventory. You know, we could have a whole podcast about inventory control. And we're like, you know what? We need to raise our, our parts GP by like 5% because we're selling all this stuff at a huge discount right now because we've bought it, you know, in the last 18 months. So how do you get not let the customers dictate your price and let you dictate your price? I mean, business planning, get a good coach, yeah. work to the bottom line. There's always that sort of ratchet and wrench cover shot, which is like 20% net or 30% net. And wow, that person's printing money. And I don't think anyone in this business really wants to print money. Like, again, if you want to print money, go into finance. Right. Don't fix cars. Why would you fix cars? The reason you (laughs) fix cars is because you care about people and it's interesting and you, you care about the business. You care about the employees, et cetera. But how do you make sure you're, you're, you're protecting your best interests? I do think that a lot of it's in our own minds, like going from realistically 120 to 130, no one's going to know. No, we, we, We've talked about this. Everyone talks about this a million times. And then the question is, why don't you just do it? Just do it. Bring up the page in Shopware and change the dollar amount. Change that number from whatever it is to $10, $20, $30 more than- I, no, I no feel like- I feel like in shopware, you should just have like a video pop out of you just screaming yeah. at the at shame, the- <laughs> shame, Prius, Prius. Carolyn says raise your labor rate. Carolyn says make more money today. You're welcome. We You're just welcome. raised your labor rate ten dollars. You didn't have to do anything. We just raised everyone's labor rates ten dollars. Can you imagine? It would probably do a lot of good for a lot of businesses. Forks and, and, and torches at my house. <laughs> I actually feel like you have to make this happen now. Yeah, just uh, yeah, it's just like a meme of you. That's right. That's going to be my new motto. You're welcome. I solved your business problems. <laughs> oh my god! And I just gave five dollars of that ten dollars to Richway. So I they, they, oh my gosh, you're see, welcome. We just solved all the world's problems in five minutes. It was yep. it was great. Yeah, it, which all comes down to raise your labor rates. Raise your labor rate. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's a really and good. And join advice. ASCCA, please. ASCCA.com, yeah. please. Please yeah. join our association. <laughs> so they can help you stay in business. Do you think? I mean, when when you do get people in a room, just even having a, a candid conversation like this has to have an impact, doesn't it? I mean, like if you're pleading with people to say, "Listen, like this," there's a pretty simple solution to a like lot of our pleading, problems. Do you feel like you're pleading with people? A lot of times, like to get like labor rates in check, I because if you think about it, there's still that two bay shop out there that's charging seventy five bucks an hour, and mm-hmm. it's like they don't have any of the equipment. It's really tough for them, and a lot of them don't aspire to be anything more than that, right? Like they're 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 in that two bay shop or one bay shop, and. I think that if if you can get those people on board too to say okay like if you grow your business there's benefits all around I don't know I I do feel like I plead a lot with it because I I I get passionate about it and I feel like it's something that for us as an industry to really have the effective change that we want we've got to get that in order Again it's like when does when do people hit bottom when do they realize that this is a dead end and they can't continue to give away what is otherwise so precious. Yeah. And it's, I think even like you see if somebody, if you see a shop, I know this from my, my family shop that 
they, you know, some customer put a glowing review out on Facebook and like was sharing it with people and all the, all kinds of people were loving it and commenting like they're the best, they're the best. And then there's the one comment that said, Dan's likes your money. I'm like, what? Like, like, okay, that's one, probably not the customer you want anyways, but then two, like who goes out of their way to like, I don't know. It it drives me crazy. Well, I mean, there's always going to be the trolls. And, you know, whatever. And the Internet is such a cancer. You know, the, a lot of people I'm being particularly candid. So I'll just continue to be particularly candid this morning, which <laughs> I, what I which love is, about you, Carol. I, I know. I know. <laughs> as if I'm not normally candid. But, yeah, I'm like, is this a new revelation? I don't think right. so. Yeah. People, people, you know, find me online or whatever. Raise your labor, rate shame, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, what a self-righteous bitch. Like, I don't she's going to be such a pain in the ass. And the reality is that I'm not some woke, whatever, San Francisco individual. It's just that my, I'm paying $21,000 a month for a five-day shop. My back's already, I've already been held essentially at gunpoint to figure out how I'm going to make money. Right. I had a, I had a, I had a general manager who was running my shop. I mean, I haven't, I haven't been in my business for many years because I'm obviously super busy running a software company, but the, the person who was running my business several years ago, you know, she came to me and she said, you know, I'm not sure that you can run a repair shop in San Francisco any money anymore and make money. Like she, she kind of had like given up, which of course, you know, was the beginning of, of sort of my need to find her replacement. Yeah. But, you know, and my comment was like, well, what do you propose? Are we closing business? Like, <laughs> we're obviously not closing. I'm not closing my repair shop. But the the only reason that I'm I'm so outspoken about this stuff is because I've already friggin' lived it, and I'm not you know not that I'm super smart or whatever. But like, I there is something about the pressure cooker that is San Francisco, both in terms of the cars that we we service, but also the economic terms that we're under. That I I take my opportunity to hopefully constructively share with others, which is you know, you're really underselling yourself. And if you're having trouble finding technicians, it's because you're not paying them enough. I mean, this is, this is just pure market, you know, economics. It's like, look, we don't have a technician shortage. We have a pay shortage. It, 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah, no one wants to stare at a wall of code and pound on a keyboard all day long. Like coding sucks. It does. People work on, people gravitate in flocks to code because they can make a fortune doing it. They can make 250K a year. If we figure out how to pay our technicians 250K a year, we got won't no have problem. A tech, won't have a technician shortage anymore. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And it starts with you raising your labor rate. And it's not It's not actually, yeah, you know, you worry about hurting your employee, um, your customers. You worry about your, your customers' opinions. But you, if you can literally just turn it around and feed it to your employees, you get that, that warm and fuzzy right back. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm... I have now for several years, and I have not accomplished this, is figuring out how I can get every single one of my employees on a track to making six figures a year. I mean, you you need to be able to purchase a home and raise a family in San Francisco if you're working at my business. And unfortunately, my my shop is already pretty darn efficient. It's going to have to get more efficient to be able to keep its costs low to the customers. And then secondly, you know, we got to show a, sh- a bunch of value. We got to really showcase why you should bring your car to us and not to somebody else. We're going to do the best possible job on the planet. 
And some of that is happy employees, but all of it's in service to the employees. Ultimately, the 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 the, the joy is to be able to create a place that's great. I mean, like even in in shopware land, like there's so much pressure to try and get engineering resources. It's so hard to hire engineers. Yes. Because you know, COVID and and remote work has changed the landscape, and there's so much investment going on inside of that that business that. There's just there's just a lot of money, and you're you know you're competing against those folks. So how do you create an environment that allows you to recruit and and ultimately delight those people? I mean, it's everything. Like I, I really think that we're moving back into like a worker centric economy, and I love that. I'm so excited to be able to remind ourselves because we all were there, even if we're still run, we're running a business today. We used to be technicians, and and remembering how hard that was, and remembering how stressful it was. I mean, flat rate's a whole nother podcast that we could, we could entertain. I mean, we, we really need to get back to who are the people that actually get this work done and how do we make sure that they're still going to be there when our car breaks down? Right. I right. mean, I, let me ask you this then, like what is your reservation to raising your labor rate? Oh no, we're raising it. I mean, the, yeah. the, 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 the delay for me, honestly, is that I'm already at 180 are like, you know, published prices to the the world are on our website. So we have to change our website to make sure that our 5,000 mile service and our warning light diagnostic and our catalytic converter theft deterrent service are, are updated. So we got to make sure that when we, when we do that, we're not saying one thing. And then when someone books, they get a $20 surprise because that that's always unwelcome. So we, we've got to do a little bit of just strategizing, but my, so we, we, our, our generalized parts markup was 41% and our labor, it was 180. I, I'm sure we'll go to 200. I think we'll just go to 200 and then we'll right. probably jump that to, to 45. So our prices are going to jump considerably and that's just the way it is. I mean, we just, we just have to make sure that our prices in various and sundry places are updated. And I, I'm not, I, I don't feel a need to apologize for it. I mean, no. I, I, again, like it might be helpful because of the, because of our environment being so competitive, like from outside parties like Airbnb that, you know, I don't need to, to apologize that my, my rent is so high and that my employees need to live here. That maybe gives me a better cloak of, of, you know, kind of justification, but ultimately like, I think about at what at, at any time when you're thinking about your pricing, you have to look across the competitive landscape. And if there are other people who are doing it just as well as you are and charging less, then, you know, presumably you need to take them out to lunch and say, you know, like, why are you giving away the farm? You need to you need to raise your labor rate, too. But also, you know, just being honest about your marketplace, like maybe you do need to move. Maybe you do need to upgrade your shop management solution so that you can run more efficiently, like whatever it is that's holding you back, like you need to you need to identify, you don't just randomly raise your prices to your customers, but assuming that you you do have that competitive advantage, then you should price it. You should understand it. It's, it doesn't have to be this like philosophical, like religious discussion around, are you going to raise your labor rate? Like figure out if you need to raise your labor rate, figure out how you're going to raise your labor rate, period. Yeah. And for you, I, I think transparency helps so much. And even like for your staff to know that Hey, this place costs twenty one grand for five bay shop. Oh, well, every, yeah, sure, yeah. And I, I everybody knows that. Well, I, think, I talk about it on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. But I, to me, 
that's where shops could help themselves a lot is being more transparent with their staff on what the true costs of running a business are so that they're not looking at the labor rate at one whatever and then the tech saying, oh, you know, I'm only getting 25 or $30 an hour. Yeah, and- yeah. Oh, th- 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 these are weak. This is like flat rate. Yeah. People like, oh, well, we need to incentivize our, our employees. It's like flat rate is just like a weak manager's tool. It, it just, it, it's, it's a self-managing function, but it's actually totally unfair and it's demotivating. So I'm not saying, you know, switch off of flat rate because that would really, you know, set fire to the woods. But the, we may uh, actually do an eight hour podcast today. We joked about that. But, uh, you know, like we're, the, we're uh, just getting it, started now. We're talking about labor <laughs> rates, uh, not labor rates, uh, flat rate. Officially, we, we just pulled the bandaid off and we're going there. And I and I, you know, we, we, you've had so many other people on the on the podcast, including, you know, uh, earlier ones that I participated on that are were really insightful around this topic. But, you know, whatever. It, it's not the employee's problem what the car needs. It's not the employee's problem. How many cars you got in the shop today? And, and this idea that I don't pay the, I don't pay the employee until the customer picks up the car so that the, the, the money comes into my pocket and then it, it transfers to your employee's pocket. This is just really bad business. I mean, it's just really honestly pathetic business. I mean, it, 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 your, your landlord doesn't wait for your customers to pick up cars to get paid for the rent. I mean, like the, and, and these are the people who ultimately do all of the work. So, so, you know, how do we put on our big boy pants and actually run real businesses? That's the discussion around yeah. how are you going to, you know, figure out the, the financials to be able to make sure that you can take care of people. Those people show up every day and they're in a good mood and they and they do great work. I mean, that that's and, and I think, you know, it, it, if we were to really like drill down, a lot of people got into this business. Not because, you know, they had amazing inspirational parents that showed them how it was done. And, you know, they were just such great business owners as technicians that they decided that they were going to go into business and finally do it for themselves. I mean, a lot of people are stretching themselves to try to, to own a small business in the first place and they're scared. And, and so how do you feel like you're worthy of that profitability? How do you feel like you're worthy of, of charging a higher dollar rate and, and, and articulating the, the honestly, like the, the challenges of your businesses is to your employees. Like it's way easier to be kind of like secretive and or discount and, or, you know, just sort of grin and bear it. I mean, it's really hard. And, and yeah. everybody's on that journey. Everyone's getting there where they can say, you know what, I'm doing something that's really amazing and deserving. I shouldn't feel ashamed that, that, you know, I have to charge a hundred and, $75 an hour. And then I can only pay my employees $40 an hour. Like you just, you have a conversation around that. And at some point, if someone wants your job, they can leave and go and run a business themselves. Like, look, you know, there's, there's a lot of equipment around here. There's a lot of stuff going on. If you don't want to share your PL, don't share your PL. I mean, like that's none of the, at some point it's not their business. It's literally none of their business. It's not their business. How do you articulate it in a way that says, look, this is how we make money. And this is this is the arrangement that I've made with you. Good news for you is you don't have to worry about making sure that the checks clear every two weeks. That's on yeah. me. Yeah, I I do like that approach. I I think you you hit on something earlier in the podcast that I I just feel so strongly about that. You know, some of these folks aren't. You know, there, there's key indicators to their satisfaction, right? And if they're doing work on the side, 
or they're, you know, I've, I've talked to people that have, you know, jobs outside the industry after hours and uh-huh. it, it does. I mean, we try to ignore it, but it does come down to money in almost every scenario and, you know, offering benefits. We had a, a, a shop on our program that offered literally zero benefits, uh-huh. none. And we're really frustrated that they couldn't find techs and, and we were working with them to try and find techs. And we tried over and over to have conversations with them to say, hey, listen, you've, you've got to you got to do something different here. Like this isn't not not just for us, but for yourself. To, and again, like, this is like, how do you let them fall? How do you let them hit bottom and say, look, this isn't working. We have to change. And it's really hard, right? Because you're trying to be candid with them. And telling them that, hey, you're frankly just not running a strong business and who yep. would want to come work for you? You know, yep. <laughs> like it's, it's, you know, as we've grown the platform, I think that's something we try almost to steer away from is, you know, we, we don't want bad businesses on the platform because when we, when somebody finds a job through our platform, we want them to be super happy and, and enjoy where they're going and, and really not feel like they were lied to when they signed up to go work at a shop, right? Like mm-hmm. we try to get a shop to, to really promote transparency because it's probably one of the biggest decisions you're going to make in your life is where you're going to go work. And if you don't know how to do the research on that ahead of time, you don't know what you're signing up for. You're, you're, you're at risk, right? Like, in like that's something we've seen in the industry as a whole. I talk about it a lot, but people not just leaving from one shop to another, but just leaving the business altogether. And that's a huge concern right now. And it's something for me foundationally that I think we, we have got to get on top of. Yeah. It's kind of like, I can hear like Bill Haas whispering in my ear, just being like, it's the money, stupid. (laughs) Yeah. How do we get that across in a way that people can, can hear and not feel like they're being cornered. I can't raise my, I can't, I can't, I can't. How do you say like, you know what? If you don't want to, that's fine. You're going out of business though. Yeah. If you're, if you're ready to change then. And there's so many inspirational shops that are doing it. Not am I not necessarily being one, honestly, like we, we do some things well, but I'm, I'm deeply inspired by my friends and, and other folks I'm seeing in the business that are, that are literally just paving the way. I mean, they're just, they're, their shops are gorgeous. Yeah. And, and that's where we're going to be. Those are the shops are going to be in business. Well, and that's, you know, kind of even bringing it back to the association level, that, that was something that I saw a huge opportunity with is, you know, being able to get everybody on the same page, letting them understand, you know, that there are some things fundamentally as a, as an industry that we've got to change. Like we've got, we've got to be better at. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, like, so ASCCA business is like, okay, you got to have a business first and then you got to join an association, right? And, you know, we have two objectives this year. One is membership health and one is chapter health. And and the reality is that they're they're hand in hand. That's why it's so hard is that we either focus on membership or not focus on chapters or focus on chapters, not focus on members, et cetera. And, you know, there's, there's dwindling volunteer resources. There's just, there, there's turnover. It's, we're going through a, a phase where we need to really convert the association and, and move into the next, the next level. And I honestly feel that everyone's ready for it. Like when we talk like, you know, I, I, we have a Google group and I'm, you know, writing letters to the group and, <clears throat> Went super jazzed and really excited. And we have some really phenomenal people that are part of the association. But that's the exact point, which is the people who are participating 
at our level at this point are those folks who have like largely figured it out. I mean, they're, they're really the best of the best. And so we have one folk, uh, one person, again, won't name names, but he's like, you know what? Screw it. You know, if we, if we'll just continue to charge whatever we need to charge for our dues. And if we're left with like five members at the end of the day, but we still are sitting on, you know, uh, a pretty good, you know, investment portfolio and we can keep the association going like, so be it. Like we should, we could, we should maintain the standard. And it's like, yeah, no one here is interested in having like a five, five <laughs> shop association. So, so it's not about now, how do we give the best automotive profession, you know, how do we unite the best automotive service professionals and give them voice? It's how do we unite service professionals, all of them. Yeah. Give them voice. Well, and lift and, the bottom up. Yeah. Right, and that's discussion around, you know, who else is out there that's not currently participating. And there's a ton of people who, you know, once they get involved with an association, they're, they're suddenly they wake up and they, they start to, you know, understand some of the things that we're talking about here. And I will say that I, I, I rankle against this idea that like, Oh, you know, we're sitting here on a podcast and we're so smart and, you know, you should do this and that. And like, Oh, you know, you should join an association. And there's a lot of that kind of like, we're talking to ourselves, preaching to the choir among like the trade show group and the podcast group and and so on and so forth. So I'm not speaking down to the folks that are not currently participating at all. And if anything, I would say the reason that a lot of those people aren't participating now is they haven't seen value, which is why I'm super bullish around making the barrier to entry super low which is like, look, we, we don't need to discuss like, you know, what, what has the association done for you? Realistically, we're in Sacramento. We're representing your best interest. That's the core reason that you would participate in the first place. And the, all, all the rest of it's bonus. And if you want to get more deeply involved and meet other people and, and, and gain inspiration and, and some ideas, that's fantastic. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think that, you know, we're, we're going to have to just kind of like continue to ride this thing and see where people see where people wind up. Yeah. And that, that's really cool. I mean, I, the the candidness is always great, and I think from the association side, you're you're silly not to participate in it. And if you're if those California listeners right now, like I I truly feel really strongly about this about getting involved, and even the folks that aren't in California. Find some some association. You can also There's, join. You can join. Anyone can yeah. sign up. So it's everybody free. should join ASCCA. Yes. All right. ASCCA.com. Sign yes. up. There's a, there's a form there. Click the button. Just put your name in. Just do it. Just do Just it. Just do it. Uh, do it now. <laughs> but, but in reality, it, anytime you can, I guess, surround yourself with like-minded people and mm-hmm. and try to you know, you're all thinking the same thing. You're all trying to fight the same battles. And if you can do it collectively, there's just a lot more power behind it. I mean, it, it just, it's, it's simple, really. Well, the, you know, Sacramento and Washington aren't going to do anything unless they see voters behind it. They're yeah. all, they're all motivated by voters. And and that's why you got to put your name on the list. And, you know, ASCCA, phenomenal phenomenal people. I mean, incredible people to meet. And so I'm just so grateful to have met them and, and that they exist and they, they've created such an amazing thing in California. And I'm super grateful to have an opportunity to share it with you, Jay. So thanks for, thanks for asking me. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming back to the show. Now recurring guest in, in, you know, the candid hour. Yeah. Does yeah. Some, does someone need an F-bomb? Give actually, I think in the podcast room, we'll have to just do a wall of fame. I think you'd be yeah. squarely on the wall of fame. Right. So no, in, in all seriousness, appreciate what you're doing from both the shopware side and 
the industry in general. I mean, thank you what you're, for what you're doing, Jay. Thanks for solving the problem around technician recruiting and obviously having some uh, some difficult conversations with people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It it I we've got a lot of really talented people in this industry, and I think being able to to get them together uh, for the greater good of the industry is what it's all about. So yeah, no, thanks again. Hopefully we'll get you back on uh, as a, you know, now just recurring all the time. Labor rate. Labor rate. All right. Well, thank you, Carolyn. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Jay. Always a pleasure. 